looking at it one way, you could say, anything goes. Because of God's immense generosity and grace, we don't have to dissect and scrutinize every action to see if it will pass muster. But the point is not to just get by. We want to live well, but our foremost effort should be to help others live well. With that as a base to work from, common sense can take you the rest of the way. Eat anything sold at the butcher shop, for instance, you don't have to run an idolatry test on every item. The earth, after all, is God's, and everything in it. That everything certainly includes the leg of lamb in the butcher shop. If a non-believer invites you to dinner and you feel like going, go ahead and enjoy yourself, eat everything placed before you. It would be both bad manners and bad spirituality to cross-examine your host on the ethical purity of each course as it is served. On the other hand, if he goes out of his way to tell you that this or that was sacrificed to God or goddess so-and-so, you should pass. Even though you may be indifferent as to where it came from, he isn't, and you don't want to send mixed messages to him about who you are worshipping. But, except for these special cases, I'm not going to walk around on eggshells worrying about what small-minded people might say, I'm going to stride free and easy, knowing what our large-minded master has already said. If I eat what is served to me, grateful to God for what is on the table, how can I worry about what someone will say? I thanked God for it, and He blessed it. So eat your meals heartily, not worrying about what others say about you, you're eating to God's glory, after all, not to please them. As a matter of fact, do everything that way, heartily and freely to God's glory. At the same time, don't be callous in your exercise of freedom, thoughtlessly stepping on the toes of those who aren't as free as you are. I try my best to be considerate of everyone's feelings in all these matters. I hope you will be, too. It pleases me that you continue to remember and honor me by keeping up the traditions of the faith I taught you. The message. Greater than to know how to free oneself is nothing, the arduous thing is to know what to do with one's freedom. Greater than. Greater than André Gide. Extreme individualism wants what it wants and doesn't give a thought about anyone else, which is why we always have such a peck of trouble in the world all the time. We need to get a phrase into our language which will become a continual mantra we say and observe. Think of the needs of the group. Christianity is a religion of community, of being attentive to and meeting one another's needs, and of caring about the common good of all persons throughout the world. Christians dishonor their Lord and buck their spiritual tradition whenever they go rogue and base everything they say and do on what sort of advantage it is for them without considering others. Yes, believers in Jesus have freedom in Christ. The cross has released the shackles that kept us in sin's bondage. But, no, that doesn't mean we get to do whatever we want, whenever we want. That's the way individualism looks at it. That's not how a communal people, the church, are to look at it. Freedom hinges on two very important and seemingly small grammar prepositions, from and to. Freedom always involves two elements. 1. Freedom from what hinders or oppresses us. 2. Freedom to become who we are meant to be. In Christianity, believers are saved from sin, death, and hell, released from guilt and shame. There is redemption from the pit of despair. The bonds that hindered are now broken through the cross of Christ. The power of the world, the sinful nature, and the devil are taken away. Yet, in no way does that now mean that we now get to do whatever we want, as if we've finally outgrown childhood and parental authority. The extreme individualist Christian looks at freedom solely from this vantage. As a result, such a person considers the church as non-obligatory, involvement in issues of justice as optional, the use of personal funds and resources as discretionary, and accountability to others as arbitrary. Such individualism sees Christianity as a fire insurance policy from hell, and a ticket punched for heaven. Until Christ returns, the reasoning goes, I can do whatever the heck I want. It's my life, not yours. Christians, however, are still servants. 
Whereas we were once enslaved to the dark forces of this world, now we are slaves to Christ. We exchanged masters. Satan is no longer the deceitful and lying taskmaster over us. We are now under new management and have a new master, the Lord Jesus. We've changed allegiances. And now, submitted to Christ, we embrace our mandate of freedom to become whom we were always meant to be, at peace with our Creator and in harmony with all creation. We are now free to enjoy right relationships with God and others, to walk in faith, hope, and love, and to bless both the Church and the world. The Christian's freedom came at a price, the very blood of Christ Jesus. Therefore, we are not to abuse that freedom by focusing solely on our freedoms from all that once bound us. We are also responsible and accountable for using that freedom in going to the world and proclaiming the gospel in word and sacrament, as well as loving God and neighbor. Freedom is only freedom when it has the well-being of everyone in mind. Think of the needs of the group. Lord God, Almighty and Everlasting Father, help us to live into the freedom You have brought to us. May we exercise our freedom, with the heart of a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, to serve Your purposes. Unite us, protect our sacred liberties and rights, and defend us from every evil. Strengthen Your people as a foundation of moral clarity, justice, love, and gospel proclamation. Grant all this by the power of Your Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, Your Son, our Lord. Amen.